Everyone has an authentic and interesting story that we can all relate to. On Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie, our podcast gives these stories the space to be heard. Along the way, we will laugh, learn, and appreciate this interesting and crazy journey called life. Now, here are Stock and Hixie for the most authentic conversation you will hear today. Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie is brought to you by AntiguaThreads.com. Stock, let's talk for a second about men's fashion. Love it. <laughs> now, you know, I know you're a fashion guy. I mean, I'm looking at you right now. You're very, you're very fashionable. Look, I need help with one part of my wardrobe. I mean, you may say more than that, but one part of my wardrobe. Let me guess. Belts? How did you guess that? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think I have the answer. What's that? Our sponsor. We actually have a sponsor, and it's AntiguaThreads.com. 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 They handmade make uh, belts and dog collars in Guatemala with local artisans there. The the owners, Jack and Turner, two cool cats, they lived in Guatemala during COVID. Guatemalan belts, handmade? Handmade. Handmade. Each one, I've got mine on right now. Each one is has a Mayan, a, a historical Mayan design on it, and these guys started this company. They got relationships. It's totally authentic, totally genuine. And right now on the website, if you go AntiguaThreads.com, right? Yes. You put in the word authentic in, as a code when you're checking out. Twenty percent off. Twenty percent off. Twenty percent off. Bam. Stock. Let's so let's do it this way. If when you go on there and you buy three belts and two dog collars, you got two dogs. I got two dogs. Yeah, you need two of them, right? That's right. And you need three belts. Who That's knows? Right. You're going to give one to me, someone else. I need to get maybe three sizes. Things vary. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Guess how much you get off? How much? Twenty percent. Twenty percent. Twenty percent. Damn. Awesome. AntiguaThreads.com. Come visit them. You know it. Welcome to the fifth podcast by Authentic by Stock and Hixie. So we're lucky today. We've got Paul Walker. Paul is the rector of Christ Episcopal Church in Charlottesville, Virginia. Paul is from Richmond, Virginia, and he is a UVA grad, 86, majored in English, interestingly enough. Um, he's got a Master's of Divinity from Virginia Theological Seminary, and uh, I know that his um, ministerial work has taken him to Alabama, and he has been back in Charlottesville for quite a while. Uh, I hear his name constantly here in Charlottesville from people who attend the church and don't attend the church and talk so highly of him. Uh, he's married and has three kids, and he was kind enough, kind enough to visit us today, even after you asked him, of all people. I know. That's Thank you for that great intro. <laughs> that, 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 that's great. Paul and I go way back. Uh, Paul, thank you for being here. Uh, I mean, you guys are hard up to have me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the money's in, this, in, the, in the case when we get out of here. So yeah, 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 yeah. we've got the seven or eight people listening. Hello out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't sell us short now. We have, uh, we have uh, 61 Insta followers, <laughs> which is 60 more than we had uh, two weeks ago. So... Uh, no, but Paul, I've known Paul for 24 years. When we moved here, uh, we immediately joined Christ Church. We had some friends. And, uh, Rob, I grew up Catholic, 
Mm-hmm. And so I uh, went to church, went to Mass every Sunday. My mother went to Mass every day for a long time. My grandmother went every day and did the rosaries. And um, But when I met Paul, uh, the Lee, when Lee and I got married, we changed to Episcopalian. Mm-hmm. And um, when I met Paul, I was just so floored. Mm-hmm. A, a real person, mm-hmm. a real guy who's married, who has three kids, mm-hmm. and, and all the things that go along with that. And, and I can't tell you... How many times I've been in that church uh, when Paul's doing a sermon and he's talking about his life and his experiences and uh, I feel like he's talking right to me. You know, uh, maybe he had a spat with his wife or a crossword or something like that. And, you know, I I remember walking out one time and I shook his hand and go, were you in my living room last night? (laughs) You know, so this is a guy who's uh, a real real person, Catholic priest, you know, I'll leave that on the without going too deeper than that, but it's a different it's a different realm. Um, and when we started talking about this, Rob, I, I really one of the people I wrote down right away was Paul Walker. He's got a great personality. He's probably got the best hair of any <laughs> reverend uh, in the state, the Commonwealth of Virginia. I mean, look at that. Look at the flow. On, look at the flow on that guy. It looks good, Mr. Ray's hair weave. I mean, you know, <laughs> looks good. It, it's a, it's a, it's a good it's a good flow. But uh, but seriously, I. I think we just get started, and I think sure. the, the the you know the big question um, that's out there is is at what point, at how old were you mm. when you kind of realized, hey, I, this really interests me, and I think I'm going to go do this. Mm. Um, yeah, thanks, Tom and Rob. It's actually an honor to be here. I really appreciate your inviting me. So glad to do it. Um, you know, this is a story that I've told a bunch, and I'm. 58 now so you guys are longer in the tooth too and you know when you tell like a formation story like this you tell the story and then the longer you get away from it you wonder is that the actual thing that happened mm-hmm, or is sure. that the story that you're telling but as far as I know this is what happened um, so I had always planned on going into law being a lawyer my my uncle is a lawyer on the eastern shore of Virginia and in my mind um, I romanticize it as a kind of great life and I'm sure it was I mean kind of an Atticus Finch character and so he would help people he was a country lawyer there and so that was my plan um, went to UVA got married to Christy we traveled some and uh, planned on going to to law school took the LSATs was going to go to University of Brisbane Law School a couple of years out of graduation and then Christy said who also grew up in Richmond and went to UVA said let's kind of let's get out of this this West End Richmond bubble uh, UVA bubble and go do something different we ended up in Haiti uh, with an Episcopal church down there and living with a Haitian Episcopal priest and I did a carpet I was did some carpentry work and um, I had an experience and it was really it was a mid 80s and it was (coughs) obviously desperately poor place just like it is today Mm and but I had an experience in church before we came back of a real sense of of God speaking to me which which doesn't I'm a like you said I'm a normal person just like everybody else but I, that was an experience I had of, of, a, of sensing a call from God to do this and so um, came back and in the Episcopal Church it takes a while to you don't just go to seminary you gotta be sent by your church and vetted and and you know, go through all these kind of um, 
diocesan committees, et cetera. So that's, that was the process, and then that's how I ended up in seminary. And growing up, did you did your family have a big faith? Uh, not really. I mean, yeah. we went to uh, a big sort of social West End Richmond church, and I didn't like church. My dad was an usher. Uh, it, it was a kind of part of the fabric of our experience growing up, but not in any kind of way that was... Um, was was important um, in in like a front and center kind of way. Right. So did, did uh, you did you uh, aside from church? Yeah. When you were in college or down in Haiti, did you have a spiritual relationship with God? Uh, the outside yeah, of church, so I did. Speak? It was really it's really through the ministry of Young Life, which mm-hmm. was a, a non denominational relational ministry in high school. Mm-hmm. Where um, young life, a bunch of kids from my high school went to Young Life, went to Douglas Freeman High School there, and um, and I kind of showed up because there were girls there, and my friend and I would drink beer, and then show up, and, <laughs> but they were there, and so, but then then the the leaders there took an interest and started showing up at my soccer games, and and took an interest in me as a person, and um, and there was a message. That I had really never heard before of um, God's grace of accepting me as I am as a person and sort of never being alone, mm-hmm. and so that was an experience that I had. Uh, and then I had a profound experience the summer after my first year. So my best friend growing up, and this is heavy, but I'll tell it because it's it is really um, formative for me. Um, Drew Rollins, we were. We were best friends, and um, he was like he was like a brother to me, and still is. And we were in each other's houses all the time. And I really loved Drew more than anybody. We were going to go to Hamp Sydney together, mm-hmm. um, and he ended up going to Swanee, and I got into UVA. My parents said you're going to UVA, not Hamp Sydney. Sure, no, no offense. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking. So, but we remained close, and then um, that first year, and then the summer after our our first years, we were back in Richmond, and we were pretty wild. I was a pretty wild kid, um, and we uh, one. It was in July third, nineteen eighty three, and we we went out. It was a Sunday night. And we tried to go to Phil's Continental Lounge, which many people remember in Richmond. It was closed, thankfully. wasn't drinking, but I was driving. Mm-hmm. And we had I Drew and then um, three others of my buddies in the car. Drew was in the back seat in the middle. And I was driving recklessly. And I was 19. Mm-hmm. I, you think you can do whatever you want to at 19. And we were kind of playing chicken, and do you turn, do you not turn? And so we had a, we were, Drew all the while was saying, I hate this, Paul, let me out of the car. Um, We're going to talk about this. Just stop, and I'll walk home. And I'm saying, Drew, don't don't be a wussy. We're just having fun. Mm -hmm. And I crashed. Uh, I, I turned the corner by the lake at University of Richmond and hit this big boulder on the side of the road and then I don't remember much but Drew was in the back seat and he 
was thrown forward and his face hit the the uh, brick in the middle uh, of the seats. Uh, then we, the next memory I have is sort of being pulled out of there and taken to St. Mary's Hospital. I, I remember Drew's cries from a room um, not too far away. And I, I had broken some bones in my back but wasn't really seriously injured, um, small bones. And then in my memory, like I don't remember, people came and went. Drew's Episcopal minister came and like prayed for us. Our Young Life leaders came and prayed. My parents, we had to sail up Marino. They weren't even home at the time, so they drove back from sort of the Kilmarnock, Irvington area, got there at midnight, and it was a blur, but no one would really tell me what was up with Drew. And um, finally, I, I was told that he had lost his eye. Uh, his right eye was gone. And my parents ended up splitting up after I graduated. And like Drew was my, and, and my brother, whom I love, is older, but we weren't very close. Drew was like actually the person I loved most in mm -hmm. the world at that time. And um, so you're 19 year old, you've done this to your best friend. Wow. And who said, don't do this. Right. There's no escape from what you've done. Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't drinking, but that didn't matter. I mean, I was willfully doing this. And so how do you process that as a 19-year-old? You guys have kids. And yeah. so, but I remember then going into Drew's room um, two days later, three days later, something, ready to just say, this is the end of our relationship. I'm, I'm sorry. You don't have, I know you never will talk to me. Right. And I walked into the room and Drew, in my memory, <clears throat> sitting up, a big, you know, big patch over his eye. And before I even said anything, a little bit like the prodigal son coming back in that parable, he just said, Paul, I love you and I forgive you. Wow. Paul, I could have been driving. Paul, I, many times that I, we've been driving in high school when we, you know, had some beers. Just mainly me doing it, not him. Right. Completely putting himself in a place he didn't need to put himself. But what he did was he communicated grace to me. Mm -hmm. And anybody that comes to Christ Church knows that that's our, that's our song. Um, we, we preach and we preach to, we understand that every human being is broken and um, we all do things that we wish that we wouldn't do and yet, because of the cross of Christ, those things are taken away. And so that, that was the, that really got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that, and it's, in fact, it's quite a story because Drew and I, God, we remain best friends. We talk all the time. He's ordained as well. We were both oh, ordained wow. together um, to the, to the, uh, priesthood at mm -hmm. St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Richmond, mm -hmm. oh, which wow. was about a mile away from where the crash happened. Yeah. Oh, the my Richmond gosh. Times Dispatch did a big article on the day of, of us on the front page of our ordination. So, such a redemption story. That's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. I had heard that, I think, a portion of that before, but I, I hadn't heard the whole thing. Yeah. So that's 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 heavy. Yeah. You know, that, that's, a, that's a heavy story. Did, did you have... 
uh, some type of mentor who was a priest or someone you kind of looked up to while you were debating? I mean, you don't just mm. have that, that moment and, and go, I'm going to go for it. I mean, there has to be somebody you talk to or... Yeah, yeah, there's a the rector of uh, St. Matthew's Church in Richmond, um, Drew, was working as the youth minister there, a guy named Tad DeBordneff, and um, also uh, just a guy, he makes his own beer, you know, he's like, you know, when we got ordained and he gave me this list of, you know, this, this advice, number one was never give up beer for Lent, you know, two was, like, <laughs> you know, remember the life of your youth, and so just, to, he was he was helpful, and um, and so... There were, there were models of yeah. what I'm of of. I didn't quite see the model exactly that I wanted because I never really liked church very much as a kid. Right. But I still felt I like people. Uh, I wanted to be involved in people's lives. I wanted to. I wasn't sure, but I wanted I wanted to connect with people in this deeper way. Yeah. This thought of or this concept that you put out of grace. Yeah. Um, the sense from what I gathered from what you said the sense of um, acceptance yeah don't you think that is a I don't want to say universal crisis but that everybody wants to have a sense of acceptance yes of themselves personally and who they are yeah and have a sense of acceptance from those that are close to them correct in their life but most people I shouldn't say most people but many people don't know how to get there mm -hmm. and that's uh, such a um, crisis because people then you know try to fill it with the external sense yeah. to get acceptance or sure. earning or status or yeah. whatever it might be uh, it's nice to hear you talk about that yeah and then some people seem to inherently have it too. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't know. I mean, some people may, and I think one of the great things about being a minister is um, is that I, I get to see people who um, on, on their exteriors look really good. Mm -hmm. Like like you, Rob, not so much like Tommy. But, uh, <laughs> but the Padre's they, laying it down on me. Isn't well, he? he speaks the truth. I know okay, you can't. Of truth. course, he speaks the truth. <laughs> but but um, but so I get to see them in my office, mm -hmm. and everybody. My experience is, is everybody is deeply broken and mm -hmm. flawed. There is a fracture at the at the center of, of life, which which theologians would call sin, mm -hmm. and. Um, and the thing about m me and maybe why people will nicely say, what if you've been reading my mail or reading my living room, is I'm the same. So when I preach, when I preach, I'm yeah. preaching to myself. Paul, I've got to tell you. So when we before we sat down here today, I was I shared briefly. He didn't know this about me, but I've got a background and I got a master's in counseling and, and clinical psych. And not that I've done a whole lot of counseling, but my wife always says to me, well, the reason you've always want to know what's going on with people and help people is because you want, and she's, tr this is true. I want to know that I'm not alone yeah. with the stuff that I deal with. Right. And if I know other people are dealing with stuff, I don't feel like I judge them for it, but it helps me realize sure. I'm not alone. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's the beauty of, 
of church um, in the Episcopal Church anyway is every we do this you know confession of sin I've done the things which I and I shouldn't have done and I've not done the things which I, I should have done like I don't know who can't relate to that across mm-hmm. the board mm-hmm. yeah. and you know there's this sense of acceptance there's a there's a project of self-justification which we all embark on to to present a curated self to the world and it is doomed for everybody because mm-hmm. it can never be enough. Right. And, and that's the message that we preach of the gospel is it's been done for you by the blood of Christ. So it's, it's, um, and it's an enduring message. And see, it's one I have to hear all, all the time for myself because I'm a performer just like everybody else. Right. Do you find, do you find uh, people inherently, I guess it's across the board, but people inherently are dissatisfied with life, and so then they start on that journey, or does something generally happen, an event, mm-hmm. that causes for that process yeah. or discovery to take place? It's a good question. I, I think it, it happens in both ways. I think it can be often a cataclysmic event mm-hmm. where trauma has uh, trauma. happened, a job is lost. Um, but then, then it can be just sort of like it's Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock, and you're like, "What's the point?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is the kind of basic ennui of of, yeah. of existential life mm-hmm. um, that 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 is, you know. Then you not to get too philosophical, but you have the underpinning of the eventuality of death, and start people thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there can be a nihilism that's involved. So, but it's it's both things. Does it come and go for people? Meaning, I feel like at different times in my life, yeah. When I was younger at times, I, I quit drinking when I was 22 years old. And when I quit drinking, um, I think uh, I was in a place where I was much more open spiritually and Absolutely. felt like I was more connected. And then as life has progressed, old habits take over and I don't feel like I get as connected. And I feel like it waxes and wanes for me. Do yeah. you see that happen? It happens all the time with everybody. Um, Back there, so I was just reading the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, and there's this undulation of how sometimes you feel sort of closer to the flame, and then mm-hmm. other times um, you calcify a little mm-hmm. bit, and um, that doesn't make the when you feel calcified doesn't make the thing the flame any less hot. Mm-hmm. It just means that you're going through these things. But that I, what I would say to put it in theological language is life is certainly not like. You don't get progressively better, um, but there's just a series of kind of death resurrection. There's a series of crisis, and then there's a resolution. There's a so there's a series of those things that interact with one another. And and for me, maybe the growing in faith, quote unquote, would be understanding that the older I get, that um, having slightly more trust that when you're in those mm-hmm. nadirs. Mm-hmm. that darkness that it's going to be okay God's yeah. going to bring you out yeah and, and that's a, a lot about self-awareness right it is uh, understand that everything's not going to be perfect and, mm-hmm. you know there are going to be kids who are going to do things or whatever and things you know you're going to have a problem here and a problem there and it's being able to, for me the, what, trying to be able to not when it happens to spike up and you know uh get angry or you yeah. know, whatever to be able to deal with that stuff all along and and just to your point you're going to come out of it yes right but 
but that's self-awareness, and sometimes it's really hard. Really hard. I mean, expectation is a resentment deferred, right? I mean, right. so when you when you have these expectations, so I basically, you know, I don't because I'm a human being, but but under the beauty of understanding the universality of, of not just human weakness, but my weakness mm-hmm. is that it can engender um, compassion for other people. Mm-hmm that they they can't do that and you know and and there's a there's a huge overlap between um the wisdom of 12-step movements and christianity Mm -hmm. there's a a recognition of our powerlessness yes it's amazing it's uh when i am in my fear or when i am in my um feelings of disconnected um the need for control to protect or the need for control or for my ability to let go the old saying everything I let go of has claw marks on it yeah (laughs) because it takes a lot for me yeah to let go of a situation and trust when I do that it's a it's generally a great relief yes at the time and when I do that things generally work out maybe not the way I wanted correct yeah but have a sense of working out somewhere down the line and I don't want to say too much, but also I find, have found that some of the worst things that I considered that have happened in my life at the time have ended up being some of the best things long term. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the hallmarks of, of, of Christianity, uh, being what's called a theologian of the cross, is you root that in what appeared to be the worst thing that could have happened in history, which mm-hmm. is the crucifixion of Jesus becomes the best thing that could happen for human beings mm-hmm. so um, and and but that that idea that principle filters through in all kinds of different ways that are true right like you're saying Rob yeah yeah wow this is you pick I'm glad you asked Paul to come here today <laughs> uh, well you, you, sometimes you don't think I'm right <laughs> Uh, and not to say I told you so. But I'm trying uh, to let go of he's, that. He's a, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a good. You know, the, the, you hear let go and let God. I'm like, it's a, it's a, it's a good. That's a good um, saying in theory, but I've never met anybody who could actually willfully let go. It's wow. got to be taken from you. Mm-hmm. And then when it's taken from you, it's really good. So. Yeah, it's just hard, very hard. It's very yeah. hard to do. Well, I'll tell you another story about Paul. Um, I'm not sure he'll even remember this, but uh, back in 2001. Uh, my wife Lee had a, a terrible accident on a beach vacation in North Carolina. She fell off a balcony. I'm not going to get into the whole details. Of that. That's a whole other story. But um, broke bones in her back and her neck. And um, I didn't have a phone with me. It was in the car. The car went away with our two little kids. Uh, who uh, my uh, sister-in-law took our children in my car and because we were she was in ICU in Wilmington. And uh, my father-in-law and I were staying at like a Ronald McDonald house or, you know, a place for families to Mm -hmm. go instead of a hotel room that was kind of attached to the hospital so we could go back and forth. And I had a message. Now, at this point, I've only known Paul for two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, I mean, I knew him as the the assistant rector. Um, We weren't like close, close. Um, And I had a message from Paul Walker, uh, the lady at the front desk said, uh, you have this message from Paul Walker, he would like you to call him. And at that point, I hadn't talked to anybody besides my 
my mother and my brothers. So nobody knew. Hmm. And so I tracked Paul down and uh, you know, he said, Tom, we, we've heard uh, about Lee and we just want you to know our prayers and our thoughts are with you. Hmm. And um, it meant so much, hmm. you know, that, that really was, I remember going back and telling my father-in-law um, who was so impressed that he's an Episcopalian and he's been active in his church. Um, and was just like, wow, that's, that's amazing. I, it floored me, and I, I've never forgotten it. Mm. And um, before we had this interview, I told Lee, I was going to, I asked Lee, could mm -hmm. I tell that story? And, and she said yes. So wow. um, that's just another tidbit there that, that tells you what kind of guy he is. Um, mm. To track me down in the middle of nowhere, how he got the phone number, who knows? I, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so thank you again for that. So, so Paul, a, a question I've always wanted to ask uh, ministers that I grew up Presbyterian, my wife grew up Episcopalian. Um, how often do you have to work on your sermon? And then secondly, is there any concern, fear, angst around the sermon being interesting and Unfortunately, if I was on, uh, I would want to be entertaining. And I know that's not a something, but is ministers, when they develop their sermon, do they feel that sense of pressure at all? Or is there, um, is it truly just trying to get the word across? Or is there a sense of pressure to be entertaining uh, to the congregation? Well, I mean, I would, everybody's got their own version of an answer for that from the pulpit but from my speaking for me mm -hmm. um, you have to be because um, you have to as um, Emily Dickinson said you have to tell the truth but tell it slant mm -hmm. and so you can't use these words that are tired um, so it has to be funny mm -hmm. uh, not for funny's sake but um, it's got to be connecting as what you were saying earlier um, but the thing is it's got to connect with the preacher and it's got to be real mm -hmm. you can tell when somebody doesn't believe what they're saying mm -hmm. or sure. if they're just troping out something that is a little stale for them. yes and so for me I mean I've been ordained for almost 30 years and the, the, the preaching experience is still it's crucial for me and for all of my staff because that's a moment where you have this opportunity, by the grace of God, it's not your own power, um, to connect with people on a very deep level. And you don't, you, you don't get that in the world very often anymore. You know, oh. where, where does that happen? Sure, um, a TED talk or something like that. So, I don't take for granted um, that people come and listen. And do you work on that sermon? Oh yeah, that week. Yeah, basically. I mean, I've done it a long time now, and so. Um, but I'm always thinking about mm -hmm. if I'm preaching in the Episcopal Church there's a lectionary so you decide what you're going to be preaching on based on the text that's given to you and, mm -hmm. but then um, a sermon is made by the illustrations uh, that so I'm always thinking about the illustrations in fact um, you guys will probably show up in one of my sermons uh, recently so, and, and next up so there 
Are you just trying to get us to I mean, because you're, that's not above us just going to do yeah. this. Rob, did you, our, did you make sure to bring the cash? Yeah, <laughs> uh, now, I didn't say you'd be a positive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that well, evil laugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the sermon, a preacher should never make himself the center of any, any attention mm-hmm. or uh, the hero of his own story. There's got to be self-deprecating humor. Mm, yeah. uh, but, but um, it, it's if it's if you're not working your best, and some work and better than others. But if you're not working your best to connect on the heart level mm-hmm. with somebody, and there's an intellectual level, obviously, then why why bother? That's what I would yeah. say. I, I yeah. Would so I work. I work. You know, right now I'll basically probably spend in terms of writing the sermon, mm-hmm. maybe 10 hours a week on it. But but I'm thinking about sure. it that week all the time. And then when you get up and give the sermon, unfortunately I've never seen you give a sermon before. Well, Christ Church is two blocks away, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that one, I'm son. preaching on Sunday. <laughs> you walked right into that one. Time? Yeah. What time? Seven forty-five, nine, eleven, and five, ladies and You'd gentlemen. You'd be a seven forty-five guy. Do you have a contemporary service? Yeah, you, we do. <laughs> Electric yeah. guitars and that kind of stuff. Yeah, at five o'clock. Listen, I've I've heard many of Paul's sermons, and I would tell you that the entertainment. Fact, he first of all, he's he's an incredibly well-read person. He's intellectual, but he always and he's got to weave it with the the. Uh, um, the story of the day, but he, he the way he does it is very entertaining. You think he's well read? He's already used three or four I, authors I, today. I, reference. I, I'm sitting I here knew in that awe. Be- I knew that before I'm I totally sat down. In awe. I knew, I knew <laughs> C.S. Lewis. You know, I knew that. But well, he just does that to impress you. But, uh, <laughs> he he really is that well read, and he is very that guy's not worth impressing. I can already tell. <laughs> <laughs> but but the humor is is just a natural part of Paul. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we, we, um, I've been in so many sermons where somebody who doesn't have that natural humor tries to be humorous, and it's, al- it's almost cringy. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, hey, dude, like, don't go there. You know, do, stick, <laughs> st- stay in your lane. Now, humor is my love language. I mean, I yeah. love humor. I love messing around. Yeah, so that's... People. Yeah, I get that. I'm, you know, I look at these coaches. I know it's a bit of a diversion here but I look at these coaches who try to emulate other coaches mm. and I always want to say to them listen you got to be your own person yeah that's right right and so if you're not your own person like you said people get that they yeah. sense that right you can't kind of fake it while you're up there you've got to kind of own your stuff and be your own person um, and it takes a while to find your voice I mean I sure I had a, a mentor Paul Zoll when I was in um, Alabama that I really learned everything from and I, I sounded a lot like Paul mm-hmm. for a long time until I was able to understand my own, own voice. Right. So, wow. Uh, I have a couple of teenage kids, and I don't know how old. How old are your children? Uh, one's twenty-one, one's twenty-five, and one's thirty-two. Okay. And um, this, I always hear the phrase "crisis of faith," so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, and with kids today, I've got one going away to college next year, another's going to be a senior in high school. You know, I hear so many and see so much stuff going on with kids nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it's on social media or you hear about anxiety or depression or you hear about... Do you have a take on any of this? Sure. Um, well, one thing that we're doing is we're starting, we were talking 
before we got on there about your your counseling background. We're starting. We started uh, a nonprofit called the the Downtown Counseling Center, mm-hmm. um, which is something I've been wanting. I've wanted to do for twenty years, and we have a building that we've renovated now that we're doing. It's open. We have four therapists there, and we have tons and tons of UVA students that come to our five o'clock service and have since 2004 at Christ Church. So we've got this, um, so I guess it's a roundabout way of, of answering, but these, these UVA kids, just to take them, and these, we have tons of high school kids from the local high school mm-hmm. staff and all kinds of different high schools. But this pressure that we were talking about earlier in the podcast to perform mm-hmm. and um I think it's endemic to the human condition. However, obviously the the well the pandemic for one thing, mm-hmm. and then this is what everybody says, but I believe it to be true. The the heightened need to present a curated self through social media has just created an intense loneliness um, and intense um, uh, sense of these kids feeling like other kids have it together and then they're failing the, the phrase that the phrase that i don't i've ever said this to you is comparing my insides to others outside that's it that's that's a great phrase actually yeah about how i feel inside inherently and then i compare it to how everybody looks, looks yeah. on social media yeah. and even do that you know to this day yeah. you know uh, how i feel whether it's insecurity self-doubt yeah. anxiety depression um, financially, yep. you name it. You name and it. And you're always going to lose when you compare your insides to somebody always. else's outsides. Always. always. Yeah. Yeah. And so we take that as a given of the human condition, mm-hmm. and which which not every church will do. Uh, and so, and that speaking this word of, of acceptance and grace. Uh, and I guess um, the um, recognition of the of, of universal brokenness, the, the confession, what's the right word, is the, it's, it's, this is a safe place. You come in these red doors at Christ mm-hmm. Church, it is a safe place to be yourself um, and to be met uh, at, in the deepest part of your soul. Well, I'm just amazed, frankly, you know, I went to Hampton, Sydney, and I'm amazed that the guys I went to Hampton, Sydney with, no offense, guys, uh, I don't know if they had the self-awareness to be able to do what these kids are doing from UVA today Yeah. to go. Now, some might say, well, maybe they're in more pain or, or whatnot, but I think I think the pain is, or whatever, the, the feeling of loneliness has always been there for different yeah. people. Um, but I think the awareness You, you mean that, they're, that the UVA kids are going to church at 5 o'clock on Sunday? Yes. Yeah. I think the fact that they're going to counseling, the fact that right. they're going to church, the fact that they're willing to talk about these things. Yeah, yeah. but Rob, when, when we were going to college, I mean, if you went to a counselor, you know, air quotes, you certainly weren't going to tell anybody. No. Right. And, and yeah. if you didn't, it's a different it's a diff- different realm now. I mean, these, these kids, as, as much pressure and all that stuff that is on them, they also will tell you everything. I mean, like, like I never told my parents anything. Yeah. I mean, literally nothing. Yeah. And and these my, my sons tell me stuff that I was like, wow, I can't believe you just told me that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just no, saying no, no, it's, no, a, it's a different it's a different realm. It's just a different deal now. So yeah. they have all that pressure, all that stuff, which we didn't have the phones and the the social media. 
Um, but they also have this idea of it's okay to say I'm not okay. Yeah. And I need help. I've never have said that when I was 18. I mean. Never. That's that's a blessing in itself that people. Yeah, are I think so. I think at that's. At least talk about some of this stuff. Yeah. It, there's no, there's not, the stigma is not there like it used to be. It's not there like it used to be. Um, Still there, but not. Not, not, not with the kind of pervasiveness that, yeah. at least when I was growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And so, uh, what's what are next steps for you? Are you are you happy? Do you want to? Are you? I mean, at the church, you want to write a book. What what do you see? Where do you see things going? Uh, I am. I I love my job, and I love our staff, and um, I'm really happy to be out of the pandemic and back with people engaged. That was that was I was very depressed during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I realized in retrospect because. Who wants to preach in front of a of a, a video mm-hmm. camera and not being with people? So now we're we're fully back and vibrant and um, so and I I'm trying to uh, have younger people hired on the staff now and trying to sort of give some of the responsibilities to them and um, we're we're a bear, we're a big church so there's lots that they can do and mm-hmm. take responsibility for and. I am interested in this counseling center. I'm going to raise some money for it, so I'm putting some time into that. I'm going to—I've been writing this almost daily devotion, which Tom gets that I. I saw it today. today. I saw it today. I feel it's just come come to a close, but we're going to we're going to make that into a book, and then Ah. I want to do another writing project. I don't know quite what it is, Uh, but so I'm still engaged. I'm still very engaged, and I want to stay engaged. And as as soon as I feel I'm, I'm, I'm phoning it in in any kind of way. Then mm-hmm. it's not. I, I'd want to leave. I wouldn't. Wouldn't be fair to the church. But um, I love going to work. That's I great. Love what I do. That's great. It, it was a big day when he came back from Birmingham. It was fun. So you know that was a, that was a big deal for Christ Church that Paul came yeah. back. Paul is also an avid fisher, fly fisherman. Yeah. Really. Yes, avid. Avid doesn't equal. Um, well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but of course not. I'm an avid golfer, and you <laughs> saw my golf game the other day. <laughs> so. mine too. Um, yeah, no, I fish a lot and play golf, and we have yes. So um, the, the point is, is that he's he's a whole person. He's got other interests. He's got things that he does, and that's that's why I think you resonate with people. That's why I think you're. Uh, I think that's why it works on Sunday. Mm, yeah. You know, because he is an avid fly fisher. He mm-hmm. will go out there and play golf. Um, and do other things, and and that's that's what resonates with me. Yeah. So, well, yeah. we're all people trying to make it yeah. make our way, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you very much Thanks, for please. joining us today. Thanks. It was an honor. Tommy? It was a great. Yeah, no, it was it was great. But really good stuff. Heavy, some heavy stuff, some laughs, and um, really appreciate you taking the time. You know, way to go, you guys, for doing this. So, um, I, I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Rob, we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, later. Rob, we'll see you on Sunday. See you on Sunday. <laughs> My wife, Martha, will be very happy yeah, to hear this. Um, Tom, I haven't seen you recently. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was trying to just move on, and he, he, was, very, he was very quick to remember that. Full disclosure, uh, since COVID hit, I, I just, we really haven't been good about it. And I've shown up a couple times on a Wednesday. It is a Wednesday service, which is, which is nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I saw David Earn uh, last Sunday, and he said, I didn't see you in church today. <laughs> well, yeah. 
Well, thank you very much. Uh, another very great good. podcast. Thanks, and guys. please don't forget, Authentic is the new cool. So uh, this will probably get dropped next week on our uh, podcast site. And uh, we look forward to getting feedback and listen to the other exciting ones we recently dropped. All the best. Thanks. Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hicksy is broadcast for the world from Charlottesville, Virginia by Tom Hicks and Rob Stockhausen. Please like, follow, and share if you have enjoyed this conversation. Have an authentic day.